Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Vic Marjanian, the CEO of Titan HST, and we're going to be talking about augmented reality and uh, their technologies. So, Vic, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, yeah. So, tell me about uh, Titan HST. What does the name stand for, first of all, and what do you guys do? So, Titan HST stands for Titan Health and Security Technologies, and we believe in the power of people. So, what we do is we connect people who need help with people who can provide help. So in any emergency scenario that you may have, whether it's a medical issue, an active shooter situation, uh, weather or, or fire or natural disaster related, we connect the people who need help with others who can provide help, whether they're administrators of sites, whether they're law enforcement, private security, or just others. So connection, um, you know, I mean, we have cell phones today, we get radios, we got all kinds of email, everything, texting. What's different or improved about your way of connecting people versus what's out there? Yeah, you know, that's a good question because we are surrounded by connectivity options. The problem is when you're in an emergency situation, getting connected with the right people and easily is what generally poses the problem. So for example, let me highlight a scenario. You may be a student at a university and all of a sudden there's an emergency. It might be a shooter, it might be a medical emergency. What do you do? You've got blue light boxes that are perhaps thrown around campus. Many of those don't work, and to the extent they do, you have to run and find one. You may dial 911, but if you dial 911, in many instances, or I should say most instances, they don't know where the call is coming from. And that's after you might have been rerouted multiple times. So with Titan, via the app, you're able to select the emergency type that you have and select send alert. At that point, we grab your location data and we send it out to all administrators, law enforcement, or other emergency responders in your organizational area who are capable of responding. And by doing that, we've been able to reduce emergency response time by over 50%, and our system's been utilized over 62 million times over the last year and a half. Wow. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's a little bit different scenario, but I was in a car accident like a year and a half ago, and, you know, I thought to dial 911. But I had a, you know, beyond that, you really can't think because you're in pain and all that stuff. So uh, what's, um, and, and that, let me, well, let me highlight the, that scenario too. Yeah. Let me, let me highlight the scenario you brought up too. So I was in an accident myself a couple of years ago and my best friend was many years back as well. We dialed 911 from our cell phones. We were put on hold for a very long time before we were able to get connected in to dispatch. And then at that right. point, we had to try to describe where we are. With a system like mm. this, you'd be able to press one button. Again, because of the complexity of the system on the back end, we're able to send out help requests to multiple different areas, not only reducing that response time, but also, you know, it's not the, with my accident, it was late at night, and I'm trying to search around and find, you know, where am I? I don't know where I am when you're trying to get that help yeah, your way. Me too. Well, yeah. why isn't, uh, that's crazy. How could... How could 911 service not know where you are? They don't have technology to, to locate your phone when you're calling? So, you know, the, the primary problem that we've kind of seen in this situation is that in order, the phones are able to send out location services. I mean, whether you're getting ride sharing, whether you're ordering food 
or using Titan, we know exactly where you are. The problem is with a lot of 911 dispatch centers, they don't have the funds because they're so underfunded. They don't have the funds to buy and deploy the hardware on their end that's required to receive that location data. And that's why with Titan, mm -hmm. we've provided a software solution that is otherwise impeded by hardware costs. And so with our solution, with an app that can run on any of those iPhones, iPads, or even just a Google Chrome browser on any of the computers they've already got in the dispatch centers or a security office at a mall or, you know, whatever in an educational setting, we're able to bring in information at a very cost-effective point, usually pennies on the dollar of what those hardware solutions cost. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And you know what? I mean, everyone's trained to call 911 no matter what's going on, if it's appropriate or not. So I guess that's where your routing comes in. Like, What, what kind of um, situations need uh, different services than we might think they need? Right, so a lot of the emergency situations we have, again, if you've got a shooter on campus, you probably want to dial 911. But a lot of the emergencies that people are faced with on a day-to-day -day basis, especially when we take a look in both the educational sector and the private sector, are medical emergencies. About 40% of the use of our system is medically related. And these are not instances that are necessarily 911 escalated level requiring. For example, if someone blows a disc in their back or someone has a broken bone or someone is perhaps having a food allergy and they need their EpiPen, these are things that you can dial 911 for. But these are also instances where someone who's right there could administer that EpiPen far faster than the time it takes for 911 to get there. And so accordingly, we look at a lot of these urgent situations and we say, there's already people around you. Why can't you get help from the infrastructure that's there, whether it's the admin, it's security, et cetera, et cetera. So what, uh, what kind of infrastructure would be there for a situation like that or other, uh, other situations? Yeah, so the infrastructure that's generally there is whenever we deploy for an organization, we will have the role types that that organization needs, whether it's administrators, staff, visitors, employees, students, et cetera, et cetera. And whatever those role types are, we deploy out to that. And once it's deployed, whoever needs help, everything is routed automatically and transparently through the background. So you don't have to worry mm -hmm. about anything. It's just when you click a button, there's people responding and there's help coming your way. So what, um, what kind of, you know, can you give me a few more examples of situations? You talked about EpiPen, uh, you know, food allergy, car accident, that kind of stuff. What other situations and how much of an improvement have people seen in response time? Yeah, it's been huge. Our average response time reduction rate is 50%. And it's been used in so many different types of emergencies. We've been used on college campuses to prevent sexual assault. People were tipping other people off when the drinks were being spiked. So you actually have a prevention of an issue before it's even arisen. In addition to that, when there have been other instances where people were being harassed, et cetera, in, in pending sexual assault situations, a button was pressed and sorority sisters who are also at that party were able to come in and mitigate the situation and get that person out before anything ever escalated. We've had issues and situations where people oh, have been, okay. students have been kidnapped and in those custodial dispute issues, again, the student pressed the button while they're being kidnapped and being transported, emergency responders were able to go and intercept that. We've had drug overdose issues after hours at work sites, at uh, private sector sites and at educational sites Someone else saw that person press the button and emergency responders came in. We've had issues with fires, with floods, with tornadoes, weather-related instances, and the system was utilized again to notify. And that's really one of the situations 
where augmented reality has been used very successfully. Because when you've got a burning building or you're trapped in a flooded building, you know, where you might have like a Hurricane Katrina or a Sandy or something like that, with mm-hmm. our augmented reality, whether it's pitch dark or it's through smoke and fire in a building, you can actually see through the building and see where people are sending emergency alerts and deploy oh, wow. resources accordingly. Yeah. So it sounds like you can pick for, I would guess when you get the device or the app, you pick X number of situations and who you want to be notified in those situations, but it probably also has default suggestions too, right? Exactly. Exactly. So what we generally do is if you belong to multiple organizations, then you can send where to send it, but we will intelligently analyze your location and say, hey, this is the recommended place to send this out in order to get help most quickly. Well, let's say I'm in a... I'm in college and, you know, I'm in a fraternity or something. And, you know, if I feel like I'm too drunk and I can't get home, can I set it up where it'll like notify three friends of mine who could come pick me up or something and not just always yes. emergency responders? Yes, exactly. And and you can do that. And that's something that the to the extent that we have deployed these in the Greek system settings, that is a very common use scenario there. And they do not okay. only that for, you know, where people are struggling, but also people get sick sometimes. Or, you know, in college, not everyone has reliable transportation. People have had their cars die in areas and, you know, they need mm-hmm. help and they don't have AAA. What are they going to do? Obviously, 911 right. is not going to come and tow your car or pick you up. And so the situation has been used to help people get out of those scenarios. That's cool. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Is this um, just for universities and groups or can an individual use the app and program in their specifics and all that? Yeah, so currently right now it's designed for organizations. We're going to be opening it up to individuals down the road, but right now it's deployed to educational settings, we're deployed to government settings, and we're deployed to private sector and hospitality settings. So right now the best use scenario is one in which there's an organization, because in those organizations you've already got the structure set up of who would respond, and what we do is connect you with the people who would respond. The other reason why it's worked so well in those settings as well is in many of these settings, you have language barriers, whether it's schools with foreign exchange students, whether it's hospitality industry where you have service staff perhaps who don't speak English as a primary language, or the tourists who are visiting from other countries who don't speak English as a primary language. With our system, Hmm. we're able to translate content in real time. And by doing that, you're basically knocking down language barriers that lead to increased time in communication. And, you know, time is very important in these scenarios especially if you take a look at like an active shooter scenario, because two thirds of those instances end before first responders arrive. And so if the the shooting is ending before the first responders are arriving, then you better understand what's going on, whether you're an employee, a patron, staff, guest, whatever, and be able to respond and take action, whether it's run, hide, fight, shelter in place, whatever the protocol is, because you've got to do whatever you got to do until help arrives. And by the time help arrives, chances are it's already over. What about um, an AI or speech recognition component? You know, if someone is in a bad situation, they just can't think, and they're like, ah, they're freaking out, and they can't read or make a choice, but they need help. Is that a potential uh, improvement to the system that you're working on? Yeah, so we actually already allow multiple different levels of use of the system. To use it at the lowest level, all you have to do is select an emergency and hit send. So if you can just click one button, then you're able to get help. And you can always, if you're able to communicate more, send additional information, describing more, get on a video call, audio call, et cetera. But at the high level, you just select and press send. One of the other things we're doing too, to connect people even in scenarios where you know it's really kind of a testy situation. For example, in a lot of natural disasters, the power system is knocked offline. 
So you've got cellular and Wi-Fi that are no longer available. With our system, mm -hmm. in the next few weeks, we're deploying mesh networking. So devices right. will be able to talk to each other directly, even where the networks are offline, or perhaps if you're at a stadium or a venue, the cell networks there often get overloaded very quickly. And so with something like this, you're able to talk directly to device to device and keep that communication flowing when other methods of communication have failed. Yeah, I've been in conventions and things like that where a cell service is overloaded, you want to call your friend or meet up and you can't. So a mesh network exactly. application would be really great. You know, you lose your child and then they have a phone and you can't find them and that kind of stuff. That's smart. Exactly. It's a very common scenario. Absolutely. Huh. Interesting. So um, what's the next step for you guys? You're, uh, again, you're deployed in organizations. Oh, here, actually, here's a question I forgot to ask. What about um, if an organization wants to use it just for notifications, you know, non-emergency setting? Let's say, um, you know, I have an organization where we've got servers and, and so, like, I have certain people dedicated to keeping the servers up and then other people are Absolutely. dedicated to, uh, you know, HR or client management if a client wants to quit. You know, can you set up communication so they, they get routed properly within an organization, even if they're not emergency? Absolutely. You can do that. And one of the use scenarios we've actually seen with that is to speak to the server issue you mentioned. We've seen sites use this, whether they're emergency operation centers for cities and counties or, or, or businesses, or for technological aspects like server rooms, etc. We've seen sites use Titan in that manner as well, too. So if the server is going offline or something like that, they can send out notifications to their IT staff who are on call, and then they can even have their IT staff check in and see in real time their ETA to the site to resolve the issue. Hmm. That's great. Wow. Yeah. Well, very cool. So, yeah, um, I kind of went out of order, but what's, um, so what's next? What's on the roadmap for the next six months or a year? Where do you see the next opportunities to be, or is it just you know more adoption of the technology? Yeah, right now we're on a very aggressive growth cycle. Unfortunately, where we are with the world these days between the natural disasters and what seems to be a shooting every 48 hours, you know, there's a really big need for getting this technology into the hands of more people. So we're working very aggressively to deploy this as quickly as possible to as many people as we can to reduce the wait list to get into our system as quickly as we can. And so we're working on aggressive deployment of the system while also we have over the next several months, we have several dozen new features that are being deployed as well. Everything from deploying this mesh networking to enhancements to translation features, enhancements of other features, um, eye beacons that we're going to be deploying at the end of this year, video medicine. Right now, when you've got medical emergencies that constitute about 40% of the use of our system, you get connected with first responders and emergency personnel and administrators. A lot of sites have asked us, well, why can't you also get connected into real doctors? So we're negotiating contracts with medical professionals to be able to have the option to connect those medical emergencies in in real time to medical professionals as well. And at what point do you think this will be for uh, individual use or is it not going to go that direction? I think we'll be opening that up beginning of next year. Okay, very good. Um, any um, any other interesting things that people need to know about the technology? Any surprises you know, you've, uh, you've encountered? You know, the, the surprise that we have found, I think the biggest surprise has been the number of emergencies that go on every day. And when you're just really? kind of out and about, you hear about the active shooter situation, you know, the news covers that. You hear about the 250-acre wildfire because the news is all over that. What you don't hear about on a day-to-day -day basis is the person who is having a heart attack, the kid who got kidnapped, mm. the drug overdose in the corner. There's just daily situations that are going on, 
And a lot of these people don't know what to do, right? The, the people go, man, should I call 911? I don't know. It's just, you know, I something's off. And, and people don't know because if there's gunshots being fired, people know to call 911. If you collapse, people know to call 911. But there's a lot of these urgent situations in between that are urgent, but perhaps not at that level. And so we've really filled a void in that with connecting people with people who are around them to bring help quickly. And that's something that when we start out and we started out with this project and this business, we were planning on helping that wildfire and that active shooter. We didn't realize the extent to which there are just daily emergencies and people who need help. Are people um, reluctant at all to call 911 because maybe it's overkill? And does your system, you know, let them know, okay, well, you know, if you use this and you notify, there's no negative repercussions for doing so. Because from what I've heard, you know, you don't want to make a, a 911 call that's not a valid one. And, you know, if you call the police and they come out, you know, sometimes uh, they make an arrest, even if it's not really uh, appropriate, you know, those kinds of things. You know, our, our experience has been that things just vary a lot. You have people who know when to call 911. And then you've got people who call 911 for just directions to Disneyland. So you've got this really weird, really weird span of people who are calling. And if you've got a catastrophic emergency, you should absolutely be calling 911. At the same time, there's a lot of emergencies that, you know, can be better situated and addressed by the people who are around you. And to the extent that you've got an emergency where you've called 911, 911, it's a one-way communication in the sense that you're calling 911 and then they're sending responders out. But all those other people around you have no idea what, about what's going on. So with Titan, mm. you can send out broadcast notifications that translate in real time. Augmented reality, when the police arrive, they can see through the buildings and see where people need help. It's such a more comprehensive system, a, a supplemental system if you're calling 911, and a standalone system if it's something that doesn't rise to the level of calling 911, to quickly and accurately and strategically disseminate information and get help to you quickly. Well, very good. Okay. Um, any other things that people should know about to use the system more effectively? I, I think one of the things that uh, is really good to know is being mindful of what your network connectivity situation is like. One of the reasons we're deploying mesh networking is so that the devices can talk to each other when they're not connected to any network. But in certain areas, there are definitely winners and losers as far as cellular carriers. And I think knowing what carriers in your area are better than not is very important to helping you stay connected and increasing the odds of staying connected during an emergency situation. There are carriers that are overloaded in certain instances when there's no emergency. So if there's an emergency, good luck getting through. And again, we step mm. in there to handle that with mesh networking, but it never hurts to have redundant and additional channels of communication connectivity. I guess if nothing else, it, it provides backup modes of communication. You know, even if, uh, hmm, I wonder if it would help um, for you guys to integrate with 911 and, and make a, a partnership where someone dials 911, but it uses your app instead of immediately routing to them so that it takes the pressure off of them and it routes people more efficiently. I wonder if a, a partnership like that would work. Yeah, you know, we're always exploring new partnerships, always working with new people, and uh, it's very exciting to see everything that's potential and possible up ahead. Hmm. Very good. All right, so what's the best way for, uh, for listeners to find out more? Because, uh, you know, I, for one, would like it to come out for individuals or at least for families, yes. so I want to keep up and get more info. The, the best way to learn more about us is to check us out online at www.titanhst.com. It's T-I-T-A-N-H-S-T.com. And we've got great videos there demonstrating what augmented reality looks like, showing what the real-time translation looks like, and we've got overviews of how the technology works. It's really about showing people how they can connect with other people 
to reduce response time and get help when they need it. Because in this day and age, it's no longer a question of, you know, if you might need help, it's when you. Mm. And I guess this is better than the 1980s, um, I've fallen and I can't get up scenario with an old lady. <laughs> Absolutely. And and that's somewhere we're really we're really seeing a lot of adoption with the technology too. It's very obvious when you see the the kind of millennial generation using our technology. But on the other end of things with the baby boomers, you know, the baby boomers today are not the same as as people who are perhaps more elderly 50 years ago. Many baby boomers still in the office, still in the workforce, still working. They're not going to walk around with something hanging around their neck. But you know what's in every single one of their pockets? an iPhone or an Android. And with that, you're providing communication and support services for, for a group that otherwise, you know, would not perhaps subscribe or follow the, the mode that their parents did years ago. Mm. Well, very good, Vic. Thanks for coming on. And it's uh, been great to talk to you. And this is a great service that's like super important. So thanks for bringing it up. Absolutely. Thank you for having us on. Such a pleasure. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.